0: I want to thank our sponsor of the Corporate Explorer series, Wazuku, helps large organizations create effective, sustainable innovation ecosystems that accelerate efficiency gains and new value growth. You can find Wazuku at wazuku.com. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Corporate Explorer. Today we delve into the critical yet overlooked phase of defining the market for aspiring corporate explorers. It's a common pitfall that leads many innovators to doom even before they have truly begun their journey. The crux of the problem, a lack of a clear, precise market definition, which is surprisingly a missing piece in the innovators toolkit. The journey to establishing a successful product market fit should not include iterating on the market definition itself. But then how does one navigate this crucial step without losing direction? To answer this today, we'll introduce the jobs to be done market definition canvas, a tool designed to bring clarity, reduce uncertainty and align teams around their business objectives, ensuring that the market is defined and validated right at the outset of the innovation process. It is a pleasure to welcome the author of the chapter of the book jobs to be done, defining a market by customer outcome, Tony Olwick, welcome yeah, to the so show. Much. I appreciate the invite. It's great to be here. Yeah, I thought we'd start with a little bit of your history and then we'll move to the jobs to be done theory. And in particular today, the canvas. Yeah, I've
1: been in the space for a long time. I started strategy in 32 years ago now, but even before that, I worked at IBM for 10 years. Early in my career there, this was back in 1984, I worked on a product called the PC Junior which was announced a flop in the headlines in the Wall Street Journal the very day after it was introduced. I couldn't believe it, and it was true. But I didn't realize at the time that companies often create products that fail in the marketplace. With my engineering background, I thought it's got to be a process that would help people avoid and help companies avoid this outcome. So I spent my last five years or so at IBM just looking through everything that was available in terms of innovation tools and processes and realized there really wasn't any good approach to innovation. That's when I just started thinking through like what would be a better approach? I think everyone's heard the quote that people don't want the quarter inch drill. They want the quarter inch hole. And it occurred to me one day that we could just study creating the quarter inch hole as a process as a manufacturing engineer. I'm thinking, wow, if we can study what people are trying to get done as a process, Like in manufacturing process, we always say, "What do we have to measure and control to produce a predictable output?" That's why it's sigma, and that's why the statistical process control. And I thought, well, what if we apply the same thinking externally to customers? But view what they're trying to do is they're trying to execute a process, right? And that's what they're trying to execute a process with those products, and they have measurable outcomes they're trying to achieve. And lo and behold, that works really well. (laughs) So that was back in 1989. And the rest are just details, working the process in over 30 industries over the years, 500 projects, we've been at it a long time. The most exciting part for me is the people I get to work with. We work with some of the best companies around the globe and some of the smartest people. And they've all really helped to challenge the thinking and help fine tune it. And get it to where it is today so i'm happy to share it with people and i plan on doing it for years to come
0: absolutely tony and hopefully we can help as well get you to some new audience members as well before we get into the canvas which you co-designed with the pioneer of the lean startup methodology and friend of the show steve blank let's talk about the problem that it solves before we show people the solution so
1: steve blank has said and as we pointed out in the article in the lean startup methodology, people are asked to think through the market, the solution, and the customer needs all at the same time, and trying to solve this equation up front. What are the needs? What's the solution? What's the market? It's a very complex equation to try to solve them all at once. And quite simply, what we're suggesting is don't solve them all at once. Solve them one at a time. First, pick the market, decide what market are we going after. And then once we know the market, then figure out the unmet needs in that market. And once we know the unmet needs, then devise a solution that addresses those unmet needs. So it really simplifies the equation. So instead of pivoting and failing fast and experimenting and pivoting, it's a more systematic approach to innovation and really the front end of innovation the goal here is to come up with products and services that you know will win in the market before you start developing them (laughs) right the test of a good product shouldn't be after you launch it and you go oh that worked you should know well in advance before you dump all the money into it that it's going to work in the marketplace so the basic concept is if we can show that a product gets a job done significantly better than competing solutions meaning about 15% or more, then you can feel pretty confident that it's gonna win in the marketplace. But if it gets the job done just 1% better or 2% better, it's probably not gonna win, right? So what that means is we have to know what job it is the people are trying to get done, how they measure success, where are they underserved and how to get the job done better.
0: I'll share the illustration, Tony, We'll have a little bit of empathy for people who are only listening. Most of our audience are listeners. Tony, I was just thinking about how, in innovation, and I've done this, I've made this mistake as a corporate innovator. You just get products out there, let a thousand flowers bloom, without doing this work. And when you realise the work you've done, the work Steve Blank has done, and many others, it's such a discipline, and that's a difficult thing because innovation doesn't have a relationship really with discipline, but it needs it in order to, as you say, make the product succeed. That's if you want to be sure your products succeed, right? Or you could just guess and hope they work.
1: We're, We're not in that camp. So what you're looking at here is a way to think about the market. This is very simple. Let's talk about the problem. People don't agree on how to define a market. That's the problem. Do you define it as a vertical, a product, a technology, a geography, or something entirely different? And we see in in organizations, we run studies on this all the time, it's about 81% of product teams don't agree on how to best define a market. That's pretty bad since that's the first step in the process. So what we're trying to do is to come up with the best way to define a market. So if people buy products to get a job done, let's define a market as a group of people and the job they're trying to get done. So parents, for example, a group of people trying to pass on life lessons to children. That's a job to be done. So that constitutes a market. Or interventional cardiologists trying to restore blood flow in an artery. That would constitute a market, right? Now, we're defining a market in that way for a number of reasons. One, it's stable over time. Solutions come and go. So if you define your market as the product... When the product goes away, your market goes away. But really, there's some underlying job that people are still trying to get done. And you want to define your market around that focal point. So your goal for long-term value creation. If you define the market this way, it's to get that job done perfectly for customers over time. may take you 20 or 30 years, but that's the North Star. Easier said than done. So then we say, how do you go from where you are today to defining a market as a group of people trying to get a job done? And the canvas is designed to help you get there. Most people think about markets as products or technologies. So that's how we start the canvas. The product that we're creating is a circular saw, for example, as we make our way down this canvas on the upper left, we say, who's using this product today? Who are the job executors? We may say, well, there are carpenters, there's roofers, there's framers, there's electricians, general contractors. And as we think about this, we're trying to come up with a single term that encapsulates all the different types of users. So in this case, we could say, well, the job executor are tradespeople. That would be a good common term that would capture everybody. And keep in mind here, at this stage of the game, we are trying to capture everybody. We're not trying to segment the market. It's way too early to be doing that. We're trying to define the market, and we're not going to define it as a segment. (laughs) We're going to define it as a group of people trying to get a job done. So we've got this group of people we call tradesmen. Now that we know who the customer is, we can go to those customers and ask them, why do they buy this product you're using a circular saw what job does it help you get done well it helps me cut plywood two by fours drywall so what we're asking in essence is what job does the product get done and now we're going to pull a little switch here just because a product gets a job done it doesn't mean that's the job the customer's trying to get done products don't have jobs people do this is the way i like looking at it And now we're going to take you into a space where we say, your product may cut plywood, but what is the job the customer is trying to get done? So then we ask the question, what other things are you using in conjunction? And what jobs are they helping you get done? You can think through that and say, well, hey, I'm using a tape measure. I'm using a marker or pencil. I'm using sandpaper. And they're all part of getting the bigger job done. So then we move from there and say, well, you're using all these in conjunction with one another to achieve some goal, right? What is that goal? And that's what we call the abstracted job statement. We're trying to get it at that level of abstraction. Then you can come to the conclusion that, hey, they're all trying to cut wood in a straight line. That's the high level job trying to get done. And they use these different tools in conjunction with the circular saw to make sure that that happens. So we walk away saying, "Okay, my market isn't the circular saw market. The market is tradespeople who are trying to cut wood in a straight line. And by the way, my competitors now aren't just circular saws, right? It could be table saws. It could be hand saws. They're all potentially competing products to help get that job done. So it broadens your thinking around who the competition is in your space as well because you never know where you're going to get disrupted from. So getting the job defined at the right level of abstraction is really the key to success. Another example I like to use is the example of the kettle maker. You could be a kettle maker and go to your customers and say, why do you buy my kettle? And they'd say, well, I buy it so it can get heat water to the right temperature, which is true, right? But they're using that kettle in conjunction with other Products to get a bigger job done, which is to prepare a hot beverage for consumption. If you're a kettle maker, you're going to keep making kettles, right? If you're focused on preparing a hot beverage for consumption, you become Kerrig or Nespresso, right? Because you're trying to own the platform that gets the entire job done. So that's the way we're thinking about it. We want to define the market at a level of abstraction. That allows you to create a platform-level solution that gets the entire job done for the customer. And this canvas helps you get there. It lets you start in solution space and takes you into problem space. And we're defining the market in problem space. as a group of people trying to get a job
0: done. To- Tony, for example, I'm working in a bank. So let's take it beyond the physical product. I was thinking about this before we came on. Many of our audience are corporate explorers like the books suggests and they're trying to get a job they're trying to find a new service or product that's often not physical it's a digital service or product how could they think if they're going to start instead of actually just deciding there's a need or the sales team saying this is what people want if they run it through the canvas how would that look for a digital service Uh,
1: you mentioned a bank it's different if it's a bank or not a bank for digital service let me just say, for example, people use circular saws to create to cut one straight line. Could you have a digital service in, that's developed in conjunction with the hardware to get that job done better? I suppose that's a possibility, and one that helps you quickly measure things off. Or I'm not sure how it might work. But we often see hardware products or jobs that are getting executed with hardware are underserved areas that require service solutions so when you're studying the job all this arises because the job is agnostic to hardware software services the job is just what the job is you can solve it however you want with hardware with software with services with ai so that's up to you
0: if you could give us an example say that you can share because oftentimes you can't share proprietary work you're working with clients with but a great example of a client tries without using jobs to be done, then uses jobs to be done, and all of a sudden unlocks the right market where they had been failing in the past. I have a case study for this, so your readers could take a look at it. The
1: company was on Track. This was back in the early 2000s. They had a technology that could strip information off a hard drive very effectively, and their business was to remove data off damaged hard drives. It was kind of like data recovery. And about that time, there was this push for electronic evidence discovery in in the field of investigations, for prosecution of criminal cases. And they thought, well, we can take data off hard drives inside organizations. So let's enter that market. This would be a slam dunk. They thought their customer was the same customer they already had, the IT people in the IT department that wanted them to take the data off the hard drives. So they worked with these IT people in big organizations to help strip the data off them for use in legal cases. But they missed who the customer really was. It wasn't the IT people. The job they were trying to get done was really helping legal teams trying to find information that would support or refute a case. The IT people were just there to help them get the information off the hard drives so they could organize the information in such a way that a legal team could use it to find the data to support the case so they were looking at just a portion of the job they were looking to get the data part of the job and when we pointed that out and we said your real customer is the legal team trying to find the data to support and use it they they said well that makes pretty good sense what we need to do is add on capability so people could search the data and find that information that would help them build the case and potentially solve a crime. That worked. (laughs) That made them a success. And they were a top-ranked company in the Golden Quadrant for about 15 years running. They were very hard to catch. And the reason they were is we laid out all the outcomes associated with the job to be done in priority order in terms of which were the most unmet. And there were about 60 of them. It took them about five to 10 years to satisfy all those needs to the right level of satisfaction. And it became really hard for competitors to catch up because they were on the most efficient path to growth. They were always satisfying the next most unmet need, then the next most, and so on. It's like they had the blueprint for growth for a decade or more, and it led them to great success. So I love telling that story. I think it's pretty representative of what happens when you think about markets through this lens.
0: The key word there, Tony, is efficiency. You've scraped away so much heartache when you think about startups and CEOs and founders of startups. They are listeners to this show and the heartache they go through not paying themselves, etc. So that's why I was so keen to get you on the show and share this and Tony's going to be back again, we're going to do a deep dive into his books in the future as well. In the meantime, Tony, you're very generous with webinars and content on your website, where's the best place people can find you to find out all that well, material?
1: Um, on the website at strategy.com is one way. We have a free book at jobstobedone book dot with hyphens between all the keywords, jobs hyphen, to hyphen, and so on. And that's in ebook format and audio book format as well. And it's free. So that's a great place to start.
0: Very generous of you, Tony, as well. And I'll link to both Tony's company Strategy. And to the jobs to be done audiobook and ebook as well for our audience. For the meantime, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Finally have had you on the show. The job is satisfied <laughs> for now. <laughs> the author of Jobs to be done. Tony Ulwig, so thank I you for joining it. us. Thank you. I want to thank our sponsor of the Corporate Explorer series. Wazuku helps large organizations create effective, sustainable innovation ecosystems that accelerate efficiency gains and new value growth. You can find wazuku at wazuku.com.